Welcome to this week's episode of The Productivity Project, guys. I am back. My name is Kat. If this is your first episode, welcome. I have just spent the last 20 minutes running around trying to sort out my mic working as well as cleaning up cat vomit because, among other things this afternoon, my cat decided to vomit up all of her dinner just as I was trying to get my kids to eat theirs, which incidentally also ended up on the floor. So guys, if you have cats and no kids, there's a, really, the difference is subtle. Anyway, that's enough about cats and kids, folks. I hope you guys had a great week since the last episode, and I was really excited to hear from a lot of you after listening to the episode. Last week's episode, for those of you who haven't listened to it yet, is about the six months or so that I spent really just not loving my business last year, and a lot of that came from a place of a disconnect between like the business of Instagram and the reality business. So like Instagram versus reality in a business setting. And I think it really resonated with a lot of you, which is really great in a way because it's good that we're able to talk about it. And I'm glad that what I shared was able to help you feel like a little bit less alone, but also like not great because (laughs) clearly there is a problem with what we are portraying on Instagram as the reality of running your own business, which is, you know, traveling the world and swimming in the pool and getting on planes. And even if you're not traveling, just like how living a lovely life at home where you don't really do very much and you work an hour a day and you have all of this freedom and the reality of what business life actually is in the first three to five years and even beyond that where you are just working really hard and there's nothing essentially wrong with that but because it what you're doing looks so different to what you're seeing on social media or the internet or wherever you're getting your your comparison from and it can really make you feel unhappy with where you're at It can make you feel really behind in terms of how much you're able to get done or how much progress you've made. And it can start you questioning on whether this whole business malarkey is really the right path for you. And they are just a few of the things that came up for you when I've heard from you after listening to last week's episode. So I'm really glad that the episode helped get some chats and conversations going about this kind of stuff because I think it's really important I think this is the stuff that is kind of buried and we don't really talk about it because we don't want to be the one that's struggling or we don't want to be the one that's you know declaring that they're not loving the business life that they have created for themselves and you know I think when somebody else airs their dirty laundry so to speak it can open up everybody else's laundry basket and we can all just feel safe in this one big pile of dirty laundry I'm just envisioning my pile of dirty laundry right now and I don't want to dive into that but metaphorical dirty laundry is really really helpful in a community setting I don't even know where that came from guys I'm just going to put that down to a tangent because it is quarter to 10 at night. Normally I wouldn't be recording a podcast episode this late, but today for those of you who do follow me on Instagram, and if you don't and you want to follow along for the ride, my Instagram handle is at cathunter.va, as in virtual assistant, not BA as in British Airways. I had my, I did a post this morning. I shared a post about 
having less disposable time when you primarily I'm speaking from the perspective of being a mum, but I never want to feel I never want people who are listening to feel sort of excluded from the conversation when, you know, we're talking about being really time poor, feeling like you don't have much time and putting that down to women who have children because it is not just women who have kids or people who are parents who are time poor. We can be we can feel like we don't have much available time or we don't have any time for a variety of different reasons. So I just, I always want to be inclusive when I talk about not having time, like everybody, <laughs> nobody has time, right? Um, so this morning, anyway, this morning I shared a post on how from the perspective of being a mum, you do have, you don't have less time, right? This is a little bit of attention. Nobody actually has less time than anyone else. We all have 24 hours in the day. This is the way that the world spins. <laughs> the world works according to the the astronomical, astrological, which one is it? Jesus. Anyway, the calendar that keeps us spinning around the sun, it dictates that we have 24 hours a day. We all have the same amount of time. However, when we become parents the amount of disposable time that we have that is the time that we have at our disposal to kind of play with to choose what we do freely with to choose how we're going to spend that kind of gets squeezed in this vice-like grip in the shape of a four-year-old and a two-year-old's hands and we feel this is when we start to feel like we have no time because there is so much that we are trying to fit into the hours that we have. There are so many competing priorities to a level that we've never had before. And really everything in our lives that we are trying to fit in, whether it's looking after our kids or working or looking after our house or even just staying in touch with you know, our family or our friends, speaking to them more than once a month. It all feels like these are the essentials and this is all we've got time for. We don't have space in the calendar or on the clock for anything outside of those four things. And that can feel like reality and it can be reality for a lot of parents and mums or anyone who has experienced a big life transition, a big life event that has influenced or impacted the amount of time they have. The fact that there is such a vast difference between your life before, in inverted commas, and your life after this transition in terms of your time can be really confronting and it can take a long time <laughs> a long time to get used to and it might be something that you are never fully used to because we go through this transition and we are still trying to manage our time using the strategies and techniques and tools that we had at our disposal before we went through the life transition so before we became parents or before you know we started a business outside of our nine to five or before we had serious illness impact our family or before we were diagnosed with a mental health condition or whatever it is that has impacted our life and our time. And I think a big part of the reason that especially I'm going to go with the mum's perspective because I'm a mum and it's the one that I can most closely relate to. 
So it can be the reason we feel so lost for so long and it can kind of be like depressing in a way because we just feel like we, you know, is this it? When are we going to get the time back that we used to have? When are we going to ever feel like we are at a place where we're happy with the amount of time we are spending with our kids? We are able to achieve some goals that we've set. We're able to work and it feels nice and it feels like the right balance. Are we ever going to get to this place where it feels like our time is ours to own? And if we keep following the same time management strategies that we are habitually used to from, you know, years of conditioning from corporate life or juggling shift work or even patterns that we learned when we were at uni or at school, if we keep using those same strategies now that we are in this era of not having the disposable time that we used to, we are always going to feel like we can never make this new life of ours work. And that's what I wanted to talk about today because what I wanted to share in this episode today is going to be something that if you are anything like me will make you feel like you've unlocked this whole secret bucket of potential when it comes to your time and how much of it you actually have to make bringing your goals to life a possibility. I think when we're in this place of feeling like there is only one way of doing things and the way things are is the way it's got to be, we can feel really stuck. We can feel like it's something wrong with us or, you know, that where, you know, you can start berating ourselves for feeling lazy or unmotivated or, you know, we should be able to do this better. We should be able to manage this better. And it's really not us. It's really not your fault. It is just the way we have been taught how to manage our time and how to set goals that is really being exposed as a pretty flawed strategy when we are in this situation of having our disposable time squeezed. So when we are short on disposable time, the strategies that we've been using are not working. And it's really not until we get to this place where we need to have strategies that work for us that we realize that what we've been doing hasn't been working. So it can be kind of liberating and exciting. Anyway, that was definitely more of a tangent than I wanted to go on, but I I hope this has helped kind of set up the, I guess, the tone and the reason for wanting to record this episode today. So let's dive into the topic of today's episode, which is all about how to actually make your goals or the things you put on your vision board for the year for 2024 happen after the burst of the first two weeks of January 2024 motivation has faded, especially if you're short on disposable time. So first up, I'm going to be talking about some of the really important perspective shifts that I had to go through to really I guess, pivot, pivot the way, if anyone's seen Friends, hopefully you understood that reference, pivot the way I saw and approached and thought about my time and my, when it came to my goals. Secondly, I'm going to be talking about how to actually practically map your goals in terms of 
making them come to life and not just forgetting about them, setting them at the beginning of the year and then getting to the end of the year and being like, oh, well, yeah, I said I was going to do that and I didn't do it. So the process that I use to map my goals and make sure I'm actually living those goals, I'm going to run through that with you as the second kind of section to this episode. And then third, as a little bonus, I thought I would go through five, I guess for want of a better word, hacks. Hacks? I don't, I don't even know what a hack is. Like hack is a bu- Anyway, five hacks that feel quite lazy to me. They're not traditional time management or productivity hacks. They're not, you know, they're not like there's nothing to do. There's no egg timers in these hacks, right? I don't know who uses an egg timer anymore, <laughs> Anyway, there's no egg timers in this episode. So five, I guess, lazy hacks when it comes to your time that I'm implementing this year that have actually felt made me feel like I have more time than I really do. So it's kind of like a magic time hack. So I'm going to go through the five that I'm implementing this year that are really helping me live my goals day to day. So they're the three things. We're going to go through some mindset stuff. We're going to go through the process of actually mapping your goals to make sure that you're living them every day. And then we're going to go through my five little bonus hacks. So quite meaty. So strap yourselves in, guys. God, anyway, if you're in the car, I hope you are definitely strapped in. Otherwise, just metaphorically strap yourself in. Like, don't, I'm not even sure what the strap reference is. Let's jump in. So I really started getting into goal setting when I, after I bought, okay, so this is going to sound probably a little bit like you may not be expecting this from this podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I bought and read Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life by Roxy Nafusi. Yes at the beginning of 2023. So I actually really, really like the book and I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Like it's actually quite a good book. It's not a look, I'm going to put it out there. I have always been a believer in the power of practically bringing your goals to life. Not so much. I think there's a lot of like woo out there when it comes to manifestation. And I feel like that has just kind of exploded. And, you know, I all for you, if woo is your thing, woo, I've never really been able to like get on board with. I'm too, I think I'm too practical and too, maybe too cynical. And maybe I just need to lighten up a little bit. But anyway, I liked Manifest by Roxina Fusi because it is quite a practical look at how manifestation actually works when it comes to, you know, from the point of view of, okay, I want this thing. The fact that I am looking at this thing and thinking about this thing and talking about this thing every single day is going to make it more likely that I'm going to put actions in place to make sure I get the thing. And that is sort of the premise of her book. And that's why I really liked reading it and I would probably recommend it to you if you wanted to give it a read as well if you want an exploration of manifestation that is not just sit by your bed and light a candle and your dream house will appear at your doorstep so manifest there was something in the book though that Roxy mentioned that really baffled me like it deeply baffled me so 
Roxy writes about putting together a vision board, you know, a board to house your big dreamy goals and how you want your life to look at the beginning of each new year. She guides us through what to include and even, you know, creating a nice ritual around making one and how she likes to make hers. So she writes it all out instead of using images, which I quite liked because I have never really had the patience to sit and cut images out of magazines. I'm just, I'm more a wordsy gal. And then, and then, this is the bit that baffled me. Then she tells us to put it away, never to be seen again. Well, for the rest of the year at least. So you put it away for the year, you don't look at it, and then you get it out at the end of the year. So you bury it, walk on by and don't look at it again. So the idea behind this approach is that by doing this, you subconsciously manifest the things you truly desire. And at the end of the year, you can, you know, whip out your vision board and gaze at what January 2024 you wanted And looking at the glory of the reality that all of the things that you manifested were actually on your vision board and you can get really excited and pat yourself on the back. So don't get me wrong. (laughs) I, as I said, I really did enjoy this book, but meticulously writing out your goals, you know, your hopes, dreams, or holiday resort destination goals for 2024, and then sticking them at the back of a wardrobe you know, behind your empty dampered containers and a bag of, you know, your husband's school shit that for some reason he's still hanging on to and it will never get thrown out. Deeply irritating, but that's a side note. But anyway, to stick it behind in the back of your wardrobe, behind all your stuff is kind of a one-way ticket to a little place I like to call where goals go to die. And, you know, If this is your jam, if you have made a vision board and you've put it away and then you like to get it out at the end of the year and this works for you, you do you. But for me, setting and forgetting when it comes to my goals and when it comes to, you know, the things that I want to happen in the next 12 months or how I want my life to look, it is the reason that I and so many people out there end up in goal rollover from year to year. So goal rollover is that state where you wind up setting the same goals over and over again, year after year, without ever really feeling like you're getting anywhere on them. So the secret to achieving your goals and your vision for the year, is it really just not putting your vision board in the cupboard? Like really? (laughs) No. So Keeping your vision board visible and not in the cupboard is definitely a great way to remind you what your goals are, but as far as helping you create a plan to actually take the steps you need to take to achieve them, just keeping your vision board visible in front of you, it won't do that. It will remind you of what you put on there, but it won't give you a plan of action in terms of making those things come to life. Actually achieving your goals comes down to so much more than creating a vision board. While that's, you know, a very creative and colorful way of getting your goals down on paper. Now, this may seem surprising and probably it feels surprising to me and I am creating the podcast episode on it, but 
achieving your goals, contrary to what we have been sold, you know, via dramatic movies or television or, you know, the corporate world making promotion to partnership look so much more appealing than it actually is. (laughs) Achieving your goals isn't made of, you know, big sweeping gestures or overnight success on Instagram, going viral or participating in a movie montage style makeover, even though that is so satisfying to watch any movie with a movie montage makeover in it. I just, I love, but achieving your goals doesn't often, it it usually doesn't look like any of those things. So when I realized this, when I realized that changing my life and getting to where I wanted to be isn't any of those big sweeping things, but instead a process made up of lots and lots of small step-by-step actions, it honestly made me cry. Like I honestly started to feel like with the limited amount of time I had with, you know, all of the things I had going on in my life, like I could actually make my goals possible because I didn't need to sit around and wait for this big thing to happen or wait till I had this big chunk of hours at my disposal or, you know, wait until I had a big, I don't know, deposit in my account from a random relative that I, you know, had no idea existed somewhere. I didn't need to wait for any of those things because I could bring them to life with lots and lots of small step-by-step actions that I integrated into my every day. Now, I used to think that achieving what I wanted to achieve was something I had to wait to be ready to do. I had to wait till I felt like the timing was right And then when the timing was right, the change would just, you know, happen in a big sweeping metamorphosis, like a, you know, what's the, what's the animal? What's the insect? The caterpillar, caterpillar, butterfly, big sweeping metamorphosis into a butterfly. And someone somewhere would write a documentary dedicated to my overnight success, obviously. And it would be published on Netflix, kind of like going viral, right? Before going viral was a thing. Fast forward to after I had my second baby, Evie, I started my business as a virtual assistant while I was on maternity leave from my corporate nine to five role. So if you've been listening to the podcast or you've been following me for a while, you will know while I was on mat leave with Evie, my second daughter, I started a business as a virtual assistant, which I still do now. So type A me got incredibly excited about building a business I could be proud of something that would truly help others and also let me create leveraged income so that I could create the life I wanted for my family. I also just really, really enjoy creating things and I love having an outlet to make, you know, my offers, programs, content, blog posts, podcast episodes, whatever it is. I love having an outlet for those things, to bring those things to life. But Life as a business owner with two kids under three at the time that I started, it felt even more chaotic than it did working my nine to five corporate role. And that was just keeping things ticking over. So that was like doing the bare min, servicing my clients, making sure I wasn't digging myself into a financial hole and, you know, checking my emails. It was basically doing the bare min that I could to keep my business ticking over. How on earth 
Was I ever going to grow my business, create all the things and bring the goals I had for my business to life if I could barely find the time to service the portfolio of clients that I had? So like many solo business owners with the very lovely but also highly impactful in terms of your time, energy and capacity, (laughs) with the privilege of having small children in their pocket, I spent the first year living a sort of like chicken without a head type existence that, you know, it would look something like getting woken up, getting the girls ready and getting them breakfast and then taking them to childcare while I tried to calm myself down after the catastrophic emotional natural disaster that was getting them in the car Then I would get home, I'd start working pretty rapidly and try and spread the available hours I had as deftly as I could between my portfolio of clients and maybe do a little bit of stuff for my business. But again, it was kind of the bare min. I'd eat things, I'd I'd pick the girls up, I'd then kind of panic about what to have for dinner and, you know, think about doing meal prep, but would never get into meal prep. I'd then have this slow descent into, you know, the dinner, bed, bath time carnage. Once the girls had gone to bed, I'd try and chat to my husband, usually while I was thinking about the 35 things I didn't get done that day. And then I would generally open my laptop again and work before I fell into bed. It sounds delightful. Okay, so honestly, not every single day was exactly like this, but this enticing schedule was pretty damn regular. And to accompany that, I felt fairly rubbish about the fact that I'd started my own business with the goal, like many other women who start their own business, of creating more time, freedom and flexibility for myself and my family without compromising on income. And while the business itself was doing well on paper, I felt like I was completely failing in relation to my goal. So... It took me taking three weeks off at the end of the year, stepping away from my business and really taking a good, long, hard look at myself to realize that number one, the only person who could bring my goals to life was me. So this was both liberating and terrifying, (laughs) frankly. And number two, the only way to bring my goals to life was to actually live them instead of waiting for them to happen. So I'll give you some examples. I wanted to spend more time with my kids. What the hell did that even look like? I wished I had more time to read books. So why was I scrolling on Instagram every time I had a spare minute in the day? I couldn't see how I'd ever have the time to do the things I really wanted to do in my business, like launch an online course or create a really valuable core offer but telling myself this story that I would never have the time was honestly a narrative to really help me avoid what was really going on underneath and often telling ourselves we have no time or we don't have time can be a cover that we use to ourselves. So like a cover story that we tell ourselves to avoid looking at what's really going on underneath. And I say this with awareness that people are 
very time pressed. We have never been more time poor. So I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to trivialize time and as a kind of, you know, we've all got time, just make the time and prioritize because I think that is extremely unhelpful. (laughs) But on a side note here, when you are telling yourself you have no time or when you find yourself thinking you have no time, like I say about most things related to time, get a little bit more curious with what that actually means for you. So is it that you have no time or is there something else going on? So for example, for me, when it came to, you know, telling myself I had no time to launch my online course or create my valuable core offer, when I looked at it a little deeper, it wasn't that I had no time. I mean, granted, I didn't have eight hours a day to do it, but it wasn't that I had no time. It was really that I felt underneath it, aside from everything else, someone like me won't have huge success with creating an online course because I'm just not as good as everyone else out there. That is genuinely what I feel, what I felt, and I still feel, but I am working on it, (laughs) what I felt about creating my online course. And yes, I am pressed for time, but I don't have no time. So I have no time is a huge story in our narrative. And especially as parents and mums, it is often used to mask the beliefs we hold about ourselves beneath the surface. As I said, you do have less disposable time. If you have anything going on in your life, you will have less disposable time. Your time and your hours are much harder to plan or have control over when you have, for example, little children. So grappling with this stuff is very, very challenging. It's not easy. So when we are working with less disposable time, we have to become really, really savvy with what we're spending our time on, especially if we have big goals we really want to make happen. So there's the first area, which is your mindset. So looking at that story that you're telling yourself I have no time. What is going on when you're talking to yourself and telling yourself you have no time and realizing that it is hard? It doesn't. I think we wait for time to feel easy. Unfortunately, time is not going to feel easy. We are not going to feel like time comes easily to us because we have never been more time poor. So it's not going to be easy, but it is possible to challenge the idea that you have no time. So I just wanted to leave that with you. Just let it marinate and kind of think about this over the next week when you're thinking about your time and planning your goals, which brings me to the process of actually mapping your goals into livable actions. So when I learned Or when I started mapping my goals for my life and my business by instead of just planning them for the year, started mapping them by quarter, by month, by week and by day, my life seriously, and I don't say this lightly, it seriously completely changed. 
And when I say completely changed from the outside, I am still the same person. I haven't done the movie montage transformation. I don't have flaming red hair and aesthetically pleasing but meaningful tattoos. I don't have the massive house and suddenly new clothes and, you know, a, I don't know, a team of people supporting me. I just, I don't have this huge transformation, but my life has completely changed because I feel like every single day I am doing things that bring my goals to life. I actually started to feel like I was living my goals when I started to implement this stuff. So for me, coming back to the vision board, Bringing my goals to life would not happen if I created a beautifully aesthetic vision board or even just a paper list of goals for the year, looked at it admiringly once and then stuffed it away on a shelf and never looked at it again. If you have goals for the year or even the next five years, don't put them away. Don't set and forget. Start planning how you are going to live them. Weave your goals into the hours you have in your day because bringing your goals to life is really just a summation of what you do with your time every single day. So here's a really simple example of what this looks like for me this year. So I'm going to walk you through mapping out a goal from taking it from setting it for the year into monthly actions, weekly actions and daily actions. So this is how I've done it. So my goal, one of my goals for the year is spend more time with my kids in 2024. So there are probably some goal setting experts out there that will come at me and say, well, that's not a smart goal because you can't measure it. But I haven't, I haven't overthought when it's come to goal setting this year. I know I want to spend more time with my kids. I know I could make it more specific and say, spend three hours more with them, average of fortnightly every 17 weeks and make it calicoded and whatever. Anyway, I haven't done that. So I'm sorry, it's not a smart goal, but that is one of my goals for the purpose of this podcast. We're going to look at that. So that's my goal for the year. How does this translate for me when it comes to how I bring this to life every month? So I have 12 months in a year to bring this to life. I'm not going to set a goal that says spend more time with my kids in 2024, have a panic in December and take them out of childcare for the month. I don't want to do that. I want to make it happen throughout the year. So my monthly actions for this goal include diarizing a monthly early pickup from daycare. So each month I go through my diary, I look at what I've gone on for the month and I pick a day that will work to pick up my kids early from daycare. And then I plan the rest of my month around it so that when that happens, it's not a stretch, it's not a panic, it's not a impulsive, I never get to spend time with my kids, I'm picking them up and then crying at 11 p.m. because you realize that you are so behind on work. It's a planned monthly early pickup and it's diarized every month at the beginning of the month. Then I diarize a fortnightly one-on-one date for each of my kids on a weekend day. So we have two children. So every single weekend, my husband will spend time with one of my kids and I'll spend time with the other and we'll do something nice one-on-one with them. We might take them to do something they like or take them to do something we like. (laughs) Anyway, but the point is that we are spending one-on-one time with them and they kind of get our attention undivided for a couple of hours and it's just nice. And to be honest, honestly, logistically, I'm not talking about parenting is easier with one because parenting is not hard or easy no matter how many children you have but 
logistics are definitely easier when you have one child I will say that so it's nice it's nice for both of us all of us to have that time so I diarize that fortnightly at the beginning of each month I then diarize a weekly meal planning or prep time to streamline the dinner process so this is actually just putting in my diary a time whether it's like 15 minutes or 30 minutes to think about okay what are we having for dinner this week because that sucks right like I hate I hate meal prepping I hate planning I hate the aesthetic videos on Instagram that are just like look at my containers and like I've cooked all these dishes for the week I just don't do that I can't I just it's not my thing it might be my thing one day kudos to you if you do meal prep I just I can't ever complicate it so I diarize a time where I'm just going to think about okay what dinners are we having every night of the week that can then influence my grocery order and you know it kind of just helps keep me on track it's kind of the bare min of meal prep (laughs) so they're my three actions for the month weekly actions that is my next layer so weekly actions for these things these activities number one is to actually complete the weekly meal planning or prep at the scheduled time so I've scheduled the time at the beginning of the month when it gets to that time I do the meal prep. I do the meal planning. I, I feel like I am actually doing the thing that I said that I would and ticking that off. And each week I do a grocery order to make sure we have food in the house so that when I'm doing pickup from daycare, I'm not driving home thinking, oh God, like I've got to go to the shop now and they're going to be cranky and like I'm kind of yelling at them in the supermarket because everybody's just stressed. <laughs> And I'm trying to get food or, you know, I'm getting takeaway and spending money that we don't have on shit that we don't even want to eat. I'm doing a grocery order to make sure we have food in the house so that when I pick them up, I can just drive them home. And even if I am doing some cooking, we're at home, they're chilling out. I know what we're eating. We've got food in the house. This translates into the next layer, which is daily actions. So my daily actions for this goal are spending 15 minutes at lunchtime prepping dinner for that evening again. This is not hectic meal prep. I am not Heston Blumenthal. Don't come at me for your containers of meal prep. This is not the podcast for that. (laughs) Today, I literally spent 15 minutes chopping broccoli and carrot and putting them back in the fridge and putting the rice in the water in the pot and then being like, we're having salmon. That was it. That was the meal prep I did. And honestly, something that simple can make a huge difference when you have your two children running at you and screaming for snack bowls, even though it's 15 minutes till dinner time. My second daily action is to wake up 15 to 30 minutes before the kids, (laughs) which is hilarious because this morning they got up at 5.30 and I'm not waking up at 5.15. Anyway, generally, I wake up 15 to 30 minutes before the kids to shower and get ready, which ties in with one of my other goals as well, which is goal layering, but more on goal layering later. So this might be completely out of alignment with your goals uh, or, you know, what you want to happen in your life or what you see as achievable for your life. But the reason I've gone through how I've mapped out this goal monthly, weekly and daily is to illustrate how super important and life changing the process of actually translating your goals into lived actions really is when it comes to achieving them so you can see I even had monthly actions of diarizing the thing so diarizing isn't even a thing it can take you two minutes to put something in the diary but having that action there means that I complete that step and because I complete that step when I then get to the week and it's my day to pick up the kids early or it's my day to do my one-on-one date with one of my kids 
I look at my diary and I say, okay, cool, I'm doing that. What am I going to do for it? And it makes me think, okay, next level, what am I, what am I going to do? Am I going to take the kids for ice cream? Am I going to, you know, I can kind of start to think about how that will come to life. And then when it actually happens, it means that I am bringing that goal to life and I am living it rather than it just being something arbitrary on a piece of paper that I kind of get to the end of the year and go like, oh, I didn't really do that. So to finish up, pals, as you stare down the barrel of 2024, if the January glow has already started to replace itself with a vague sense of panic and if you're questioning how the hell you're going to find the time to achieve any of the goals you've set for yourself, try ditching the word achieve and replacing it with the word live. So to round out this episode... I wanted to share with you my five little hacks, I call them my five low-key hacks, that'll actually make you feel like you've got more time than you know what to do with and help you achieve your goals this year. So I'm just going to go through them in summary form. If you want to get the full kind of breakdown of how these hacks work for me, you can visit my Instagram, which is cathunter.va and you can read excuse me, the latest post that I shared, which will, if you read the caption, it will detail how I bring these to life. But these are my five low key time hacks. So number one is I replace the habit of picking up my phone with something aligned with my goals. So for example, I have a post-it note next to where I keep my phone that says books before phones, bro. I don't know why I've used the word bro at the end. It's not even a thing. It's just on the post-it. Anyway, it's part of it. Every time I go to pick up my phone, I am reminded that I want to break this habit and build on another one, which is reading, which happens to be one of my 2024 goals. It doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. And sometimes it's better than no times. So that's number one. Number two is I invest in my rest. So prioritizing rest never really works for me. I always find an excuse, something else to do that feels more important. But when I kind of tweaked this slightly and started saying I'm investing in my rest, I started treating it as an investment in how I use my time the next day. So if I get proper rest at night, sometimes with kids, it doesn't happen. Again, sometimes it's better than no times. If I get proper rest at night, if I get proper rest through the day, I am way more able to use my time in the way I want to through the day. Number three is to create a no list. So write a list of things that you no longer say yes to. So this might include like unscheduled pop-ins from your in-laws or meetings, which could be an email or, you know, packing out your weekend when you really just want to stay at home and read. Create a no list and stick to it. Number four, I set digital connection times. So I work from home solo and I generally like to stay connected. This really saves me. So I can find myself constantly picking up my phone, looking for that connection throughout the day, but I rarely really get what I'm looking for. Usually I don't. Instead of meaningful connection, I'm usually, you know, distracted or trapped in a scroll-a-thon or adrift in some ridiculously multi-layered admin errand but I'm now working really hard to stick to set digital connection times where I go in armed with some specific activities of who I'm going to message who I want to call who I want to get back to and it is really life-changing 
Number five, and this is my favorite one, layer your life goals. So this is the only one of the only times that I multitask and I love it. I have goals this year related to reading, spending time at the beach and exercise. And on Sunday morning, and I'm going to try and do this most Sunday mornings from now, I wake up early, pack my book and my keep cup and I head to the beach. I walk on the beach. I get a coffee from my fave. I take my coffee to the beach and I read my book. So I've walked, exercised. I've been to the beach, which is one of my goals. And I've read my book, reading. Life goal multitasking. Seriously, give it a try. It will change you and change how you feel about the possibility of actually bringing your goals to life. So that's it, guys. I've talked your ears off enough and I hope this has inspired you to think differently and creatively about your time and about those little actions you can take every day, every week, every month to actually live your goals and bring your vision board to life, You know, bring your goals to life and feel inspired and excited about the possibility of how you can use the time that you do have to help your goals come alive for you. So if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love, love, love for you to share this with a friend who you think would appreciate it or would find the content useful. I'm all about getting the podcast out to new listeners, new listeners and new ears every week. So please share if you have enjoyed this episode. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram or if you would like to be on my email list, I'm going to start my Mindful Time small group newsletter very, very soon this year. So you can go to cathunterva.com forward slash work less and you'll get my free little guide on how to work five hours less every single week in just five days. So why wouldn't you have a beautiful week ahead, guys, and I'll see you next week for another episode. Bye.